0: I love that song what a perfect song well we we've had church so you're dismissed wow that is just absolutely incredible absolutely incredible um shifted gears a little bit after the amazing baptisms to see that many people uh just as a symbol of their faith in christ to be baptized today it's just so awesome uh there are so many things going on at the chapel to let you know about. There's a, another women's gathering that's going to be taking place this Tuesday, May 9th. So all the ladies sign up be a part of that. Eric and, and uh, Paula Lapata are going to be co-teaching that one. So you got a husband and wife, and they're talking about control. So you can just imagine what that's going to look like. So it should be a lot of fun for all the, the ladies to be a part of it. Also, there's something else going on. Some guy's going to tell you about that. I don't know who this guy is. He's going to share something with you, though. Check this out. <laughs> Alright. That's pretty good. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey everybody, it's Pastor Jeff and this is my awesome son,
1: Silas. Okay. Yeah!
0: We are so excited to invite you to be a part of the yep. Father-Son Retreat at Beulah Beach from August 4th through the 6th. We're gonna have a great time, aren't we? We're gonna have so much fun, guys. Play basketball, um, some wiffle ball, some dodgeball. We're going to play a lot of different games. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're also going to be doing a little bit of fishing and some boating. And you know what one of our best things to do? Jet skis. Jet skis! Woo! So we really want to invite everybody to come out and be a part of this. You know what else is going to be happening? We're going to have a great time together in God's Word. So studying God's Word together, worshiping the Lord, and just really, truly bonding together as fathers and sons. So come on out, be a part of it. Love to see you. All right, all right. So it is not too late yet for all the dads out there that have got sons, really want to encourage you and challenge you to sign up for that. Uh, It is going to be full here in the next couple of weeks. So please go on and be be signed up for that. to be awesome. Well, we are uh, continuing on in our series out of John chapter three. And uh, over the last few weeks, we, first, we did the intro, and then we did 1 and 2, but John 3 today, and we're looking at really an incredible interaction that takes place between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus, okay? Now, I don't know if I know too many Nicodemuses today, but back then, there was this man named Nicodemus, and he was uh, both a Pharisee, which is a Jewish religious leader, and he's also a member of the Sanhedrin. Okay, And the Sanhedrin was the ruling Jewish council of the day. It was also kind of like a legislature in many ways. And both of the Pharisees and the, the, the people that are part of these in the Sanhedrin, they viewed Jesus really as an enemy. They viewed him as an enemy because he was teaching and doing things that in their minds was kind of contrary to the holy law. Okay. So Nicodemus is trying to figure out who this this Jesus is. He's curious. And while he knows he's supposed to be Jesus's enemy because of all of his friends in the Sanhedrin, but he knows that he knows that he knows that there is something different about Jesus. He sees Jesus loving people. He sees Jesus really healing people. And he thinks, "What in the world who is this man?" And so he's got to get to know Jesus. And he'll do anything that he can to figure out who Jesus is. But here's the deal. He can't go in the middle of broad daylight. He can't do it. So he figures out a way that he's going to go in the middle of the night and meet Jesus. Now we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we, We talked about it as a church staff this week. And instead of actually reading it out of your Bibles, although I want you to turn your Bibles because we're gonna talk it through afterwards, we're gonna show you a video clip of this interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. Okay? So this is it's really an artistic portrayal from the chosen. If you guys have ever seen the chosen, it's absolutely fantastic. So I want to encourage you to download that app or something. You can watch a lot of the artistic portrayals of Jesus. So check this out and then we'll talk about it.
1: I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. The eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds. With their rhetoric and fiery tone, I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? You don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, and she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Eh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it, I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is, to be born again of the spirit. The spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the spirit, you can recognize his effect. mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles. Yes. But even more than that, do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents, And they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. That I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome? It's all about... God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Shh. When I met Lilith, Mary, that day, I told my wife and my students she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her healed. And here you are. The healer. I have wondered if I would see this day. (laughs) Follow me, and you'll see more. Follow you? Join me and my students. In two days' time, we leave Capernaum. Come see the kingdom I am bringing into this world. But I... I I, I can't... You have a position in the Sanhedrin. You have family you are getting advanced in years <laughs> I understand but the invitation is still open the invitation to what exactly to lead a nomadic life to to give up who I am it's true there is a lot you would give up but what you would gain is far greater and more lasting. Is this another one of your born-again mysteries? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I know mysteries aren't easy for a scholar. Think about it. Hmm? Take your time. On the morning of the fifth day, we leave and we'll meet by the well in the southern quarter. Nothing except that I am standing on holy ground. Holy roof, anyway. The sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Blessed are
0: Time I see that, I still get chills when you see the interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus. What we know for sure that happened is that Jesus says things about God and the afterlife that Nicodemus had never heard before. You see, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus has been taught, right, forever that to have a relationship with God, to have eternal life, then one must be born a Jew and follow all the laws, hundreds of laws of the scripture. But Jesus, he flips the truth on its head. He essentially says a relationship with God has nothing to do with what you do or who you are or what group of people that you associate with or who your family is. To know God, to participate in what God is doing, to have a true, genuine relationship with him, it only can come from being born again. From being born again you see, the word again actually means from above. It means from above. Jesus is referring to a brand new spiritual birth that could only come from God himself. For too many years, I had grown up kind of in cultural Christianity, thinking that there, was, there were Christians and then there were born again Christians. No. To be a Christian, a follower of Christ... Is to be born again. Born again. But Nicodemus, at first, he, he misses it, right? I love his honesty. I always love the honesty of Scripture. He says, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? How can this happen? He said, you want me to go through somehow, way, the birthing process as a grown human being? Look at me. That, is that going to happen, Jesus? No way. <laughs> now, I must say, I, I love seeing the birth of both of my children. Miraculous. Absolutely miraculous. My wife has the great privilege of being able to see a miracle Every day that she works, because she's a labor delivery nurse, so she sees a lot of babies being born, which is awesome. But a grown person somehow going through the birthing process, it doesn't make any sense, does it? And though Nicodemus obviously misunderstands Jesus, I think there's some real frustration that's kind of there. After all, Nicodemus, he's a scholar. He's supposed to be the expert of experts of the Jewish law. He's supposed to be the expert about God, the expert about this thing called eternal life. So Jesus is teaching him something radically, completely different than he had ever heard before. Here's the deal, I would be, wouldn't be surprised if some of us felt that way at times. For your whole life, you've thought, if there is a God, if there is truly an afterlife, I could simply be a good, moral person. I've done more good things than I've done bad, so therefore, St. Peter should just let me walk right through those pearly gates, and it should be just fine, because I'm a good person, right? That's the attitude that a lot of times... We can think through. But then you hear this being born from above. And it can be confusing. Because maybe you aren't exactly sure what it means. Maybe it's frustrating. Because it's all to different. Altogether different than you could have ever imagined. Thankfully, though, and you see this in the clip there, Jesus understands He doesn't judge Nicodemus. He doesn't put Nicodemus in his place, right? He understands. He shows compassion. And he clarifies things for Nicodemus. He clarifies things for us. A little later in the the interaction there, you see the most famous verse. We talked about it a few weeks ago in the intro to John, right? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 as well. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. To save the world through him. If you've ever picked up a Bible or maybe you've seen it on a billboard or maybe you've seen it at a football game, you've seen John 3.16, right? Right? Maybe you've even heard a little bit of verse 17. It's just as important. These words contain the real clear understanding of why Jesus Christ came. This is really what the whole book of John is all about. Is right here. Number one, that God loves the world, the whole world, every single person in this world. That nobody is too far away from God. That's the love that he has for each of you. No matter what your past is, no matter what you've done, he loves you tremendously. He wants to have that relationship with you. A true, genuine love relationship. The only way love can be true if it, when it's backed up with action. We can't say that we love one, someone if we don't show it. Thankfully, God both says it and he shows it sacrificially by sending Jesus to die on the cross, think for our sins. He gave his one and only son. The second thing, he gave his one and only son. To the extent you're willing to sacrifice something, shows how much you really love someone, right? If you're not willing to sacrifice something for somebody, do you really even truly love them? Think about this. We would do anything. For our kids. Any of us that are parents out there, we would do anything for our kids, wouldn't we? We would sacrifice time. We would sacrifice money. We would sacrifice sleep. We could sacrifice money and sleep and money and sleep. We would sacrifice anything. Why? Because we love our kids so much. We want to do anything to help them in this journey of life, right? God did too. And he did so unconditionally. It cost him the ultimate price, his one and only son. Jesus left all the comforts of heaven, all the majesty, all the brilliance of heaven that we can't even fathom how awesome it is. And he left that, why? To die a brutal, horrific death on the cross. He took all of the world's sin and guilt Death upon himself.
1: Powerful.
0: All sin, past, present, future of all humanity. This is the good news, the gospel of Jesus. He didn't have to. He wanted to for us because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Too many times, I spent too many years thinking that God was some type of cosmic killjoy. If I was having too much fun, then he's going to zap me or something. I thought of him as being this kind of cruel judge. Then I came into a relationship with him, and I realized he's a loving, loving friend. And yes, he is going to, to judge the world. We know that. But at the same token, he has so much love, so much grace for us. We don't have to be afraid of God. We could come into his presence at any point in time so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Another way to say believe is to trust and to receive. Trust and receive. God holds out that gift, the ultimate gift of eternal life. I trust he has done this for me, and then I receive it. That's a part of You have to accept the gift. It's like getting any kind of gift that you get at your birthday or at Christmas or wherever. You have to receive the gift. This is what Jesus means to be born again from above. And notice, too, verse 17 says that Jesus is not about condemning the world, but saving the world. His desire is for us, every one of us, to repent of our sins In other words, we're walking one way, and to go the opposite direction and say, no, I'm not going to live that way any longer. Through the power of the Holy Spirit within me, because I'm born again, believer in Jesus, I'm going to walk differently. I'm a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come, right? We need to receive God's forgiveness. A lot of times the world doesn't want to forgive. God forgives. He cleanses. We got to see the symbolizing of that in baptism. that cleansing power of the new creation in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. And you just saw ten baptisms today. All of those people have accepted Christ. But maybe you're watching this and you, you've never made that commitment. I want to challenge you right now. This is the most important decision that you can ever make. I'd like you to bow your heads, please. And if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ here today, to receive him, to be born again, I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. Just pray this prayer after me. God knows the attitude of your heart right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I confess that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I repent of my sins and I turn to you. I trust in you, Jesus. I commit my life to you today. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you made that decision, that's the greatest decision that you can ever make. I made that when I was almost 17 years old. Changed my life forever. I'd encourage you to please talk with me or Pastor Charles or to Sonia. After the service, we'd love to talk with you more about that. We're going to have a closing song as you depart here today. But go forth from this place in peace and in the love of God. God bless you all.